her is it? Hello? Hey there, Pinhead. Hey, hey. there. Numbers. Number. <laughs> I feel a number than ever. Where are you? You got to get the video going, baby. Oh, shit. I got to see that face. Hey, hey. Hey, wearing a Duke shirt. That's right, uh, baby. So are you tuned into the game right now? That's right. Um, I think we're only down by two. Looks like TLC got a second start in a row. Yes, over Rody. I don't know what he's doing to earn it. I, I noticed that he had a lower... Um, he had a pretty good plus minus in a game where we lost by 32 or 31. Mm-hmm. But to look at him, I have never, I've not seen him do a single thing good in the time that I've watched him play this, this preseason. Like he seems to be always getting beat um, on defense, never hitting a three pointer. And in fact, in this game, he's missed at least two. Um, he's just terrible. You know who has looked good in the early going? Karis LeVert. Karis, yes, but also Tyler Johnson. Oh, uh, fabulous. You think it was just uh, – it was a bad fit for him in Phoenix or <laughs> – Well, I think it's that he is playing amongst a lot of non-NBA players, and he is a fringe NBA player. Uh, yeah, how bad are the San Antonio Spurs? Um, based on this, I mean, first of all, I haven't seen um, DeRozan, who is like their only star right now because Aldridge isn't playing, um, be very good uh, so far. C- Kobe White has been excellent. Kobe White is Nets poison. Uh, what about young guys like uh, Lonnie Walker or... DeJounte Murray. Those are the guys I'm, I'd am i be interested in. Um, I don't know what... I don't know, honestly. I, I, I don't know what um, what they've been doing. Okay. <laughs> All right. I, I sound off. You know, I'm, I'm laser-focused on our nets. Right, because we, we have quite a lot to get to, but before we get to anything, okay. we should probably welcome. welcome. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, you hit it, man. Okay. Welcome back to another episode of Maybe It's Time. I am your host, William Bluer, with my co-host, Simon McCormack. Nets Nation. Ooh, are we looking bad. Oh, what a downer. I mean, mean, right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely the last game, we were horrible. Yes, not off to a torrid start, but it's just exhibition games. They don't mean anything. We're trying out new lineups. We're experimenting. This is just another in the the long line of Jacques Vaughn experiments that tend to end in L's more than they end in W's, if his (laughs) uh, tenure with the Magique was any indication. (laughs) You heard Thibodeau is off the market. He will not be the Nets coach. 
Yes. I'm glad that they jumped on that grenade for us. There is a much larger Mark Jackson grenade. Yeah, all you, you just have to hope that the next announcement is that Thibodeau has hired Mark Jackson as his lead <laughs> assistant. And Jason Kidd is his other assistant. <laughs> and Jacques Vaughn is... Head of development. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, there's a lot of... Um, coaches that are bad and only one of them are we going to hire but um, alright so we are back as we are each and every indefatigable week to talk all things Nets Nation and this is a big week Simon NBA basketball is finally once again being played these are exhibition games but it's still something uh, you personally have signed up for Hulu Pro Live something or other so that you can actually watch these games. What has the experience been like? How has the basketball looked? Are you well, regretting that, that purchase? What's going on over there? Uh, thank you for the cue. Um, I, the first game, the, the first Nets game was horrible. We look much better in this game, at least so far. Um, Joe Harris is back. As I said, Tyler Johnson is playing. Um, that means much fewer minutes for Chioza, who was truly horrible. Um, and, uh, you know. Do you think we may have been swept up in a few shining late-season games of Chioza, and that may sort of distort our perception of how he really actually is as an NBA player. Definitely. I mean, again, it's just one game that we've seen and a little bit of Chioza, but he in 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 the this second game, but he has been like honestly he was so horrible. Like he could not make a shot. He was not good at defense. Uh, I mean, much like the rest of the Nets. I mean, they shot like 35% in that game, but um and 25% from three, but so nobody was looking good. Jared Allen was the closest to looking good. He, but he had a very Jared game where it was like, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's getting it done, but you don't really notice him, you know? Yeah. Like uh, he had 10 points, 10 rebounds shot perfectly well, but you're never thinking about him. He's like barely, <laughs> rolling to the basket unless Karras is is the ball handler in the pick and roll because he just knows he's never going to get the ball so he's like kind of going through the motions but you can tell he's just like I'm not in this play goodbye um I think the meanest thing you can say about the Nets uh loss 99-68 loss to the Pelicans uh, is that Musa was the game's leading scorer the Nets <laughs> leading scorer rather yeah you would have been proud of him William yeah, I mean, I'm a Musa believer. I'll, I, uh, I I obviously like him more than certain other players on the team, but uh, <laughs> you never want him to be your leading scorer. No, he he was one of the few William I will say that was like really going for it. Everyone else was kind of like it's it's like it, we're back full on to like the Kenny Atkinson shit team, like way that you play. Like everyone's passing, everyone's you know moving the ball around. Right. <laughs> But in this case, it looked like everyone was like, well, I, I shouldn't shoot this. I mean, <laughs> I, I, you take it. And then, like, everyone was doing that. The only person that was, like, 
genuinely looked like they wanted to score was Musa. Um, so I'll give him that. Well, any other takeaways from that game, Simon? Our third star, Karis LeVert, went 5 for 18 from the field, 0 for 6 from 3. That's disturbing. Yeah, in 22 minutes, he looked terrible on D. Um, he was guarding, at, at times at least, Drew Holiday, which I think is just terrible. They've got to put him on a not good, if they can, good perimeter player mm-hmm. because he needs all of his juice for offense. Um, and, uh, yeah, he was he was, he was was awful the, just in every way. So... Um, Kuroks is looking good. That was one. That was one thing. I, I mean, kind of good. He had four turnovers in like twenty minutes, which is pretty unbelievable. But other than that, he he shot well. He's like again our only feisty defender. He he looks better. He's kind of like he he looks less scared. Mm. Those are my takeaways. Okay. Great. And we have, what, one more of these exhibition games before the official play-in stuff begins? Yes. I forget who we play, but, um, yeah, that's correct. And then our first game is, what, next Friday or next Saturday? Saturday, yeah. Okay, against the Mad- Magic, right? A no, big wait, one. Is it Friday? Yes, it is. Yes, it's definitely against the Magic. Let me tell you um, whether it's Friday. I think or- it's Friday. Yeah, you are correct. Friday at 2.30 p.m., so get off work early, folks. Yeah, I can't watch it anyway because I don't have Yes Network. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But you do have Yes on Axis TV. (laughs) It is so hard to get Yes unless you have cable. Very, very expensive. Um, All right, Simon, a topic I know I can't get enough of and that we've touched on briefly here and that is Jacques Vaughn yeah Mark Bergman writes with all the weird variables including no crowd and a coaching replacement undersized roster is this really a fair audition to evaluate Vaughn whose career coaching record is 60 and 158 (laughs) that's a coaching record that makes Kenny Atkinson blush One league source says the motivation for Marks to keep Vaughn is that the GM can have input with him. The two go back to their San Antonio days when Marks was an executive there and Vaughn was an assistant coach from 2010 to 2012. So, he's got a terrible, obviously a terrible record down in Orlando. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, Simon, I'm, I'm of a mind that everyone deserves a second chance. Yep. Uh, do you think, though, uh, uh, setting aside my magnanimous belief that everyone should have a second chance, do you think that there's anything to the idea that Sean Marks might want Jock Vaughn because he would because he, he has a personal relationship with them and he would be able to have input on how he coached the team? I don't know of a coach that the Nets could realistically get. Um, I mean, other than Greg Popovich, I'm trying to think of a coach, an NBA coach, that a GM would not have input with. Like, can can you think of a coach who's just like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm 
making $3 million a year. My av- my average lifespan is two and a half years or something. Right. And, and with, uh, with Kyrie Irving on board, it's about a quarter of that. <laughs> exactly. Like, I think definitely there's concern, as we talked about last week, that, that Sean Marks does not have input with the direction the team that he's leading, you know, is going. But that is not because of a coach. Right. Like, I, I just find it hard to believe that, like, with a Ty Lue or a whoever, a D'Antoni, blah, 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 even like a sort of a known coach, that you wouldn't be, as the GM, be able to say, hey, I'd like to try this. I just, I don't know. Well, speaking of coaches, are you softening at all on the idea that Greg Popovich might become the next Nets coach? <laughs> you said his name, Simon, so I have to ask. Yeah. We, we did very, very uh, definitively pronounce there was zero chance that he would become the head coach. Uh, are you upping that to maybe a tiny bit of a chance? Um... You know, I'm still going to say no. I, I'm still going to stick to my guns and and say no. I, I think the – did you see the Stefan Bondi thing? Uh, what was it? It was just the Stefan Bondi article where he was like, the Nets should try to get Greg Popovich. He wasn't saying, like, they could easily do it or, you know – it's like a it's like a realistic thing exactly. But he was saying, you know, look, they should try. He's 71. He, he – might be interested in making a title run. He knows and likes Sean Marks. It's worth a shot was basically his. Right. And that, uh, you know, there are parts of that that seem reasonable. His team as currently constructed has basically no chance of winning a championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, the owners of the San Antonio Spurs are hardcore right wingers, which, uh, you know, clashes with Popovich's liberal credentials. Um, right. He, If he's going to continue coaching at all, it would make sense that he would want to have at least the possibility of winning. And apparently he has relationships with both KD and Kyrie from Team USA Basketball. So, And, of course, Sean Marks. He oh, likes right. Sean Marks. So, hmm. all, you know, one could imagine how that would happen, but Yes, I think that I, I I suppose I mean there's other reasons why Popovich would want to stay in San Antonio. One, he like, despite his political uh, beliefs, gets to call whatever shots he wants. Right, he is king, mm-hmm. um, and probably would be king in in um, Brooklyn as far as like Sean Marks is concerned. Like I don't think Sean Marks would try to micromanage him, but he would be dealing with. Kyrie and KD, who have more sway than him, probably, um, or almost definitely. Um, but I, I just feel like I don't know why the Spurs would do it. Like the, he's under contract for several years, uh, other than like out of the goodness of their heart. I, I don't know why they would say, you know, to go for it. I'm sure the Nets would send them some kind of compensation, but, um, but. Uh, you know, I, I just don't know why they wouldn't rather have Popovich. I mean, again, unless and it's weird, right? Like the Nets would have to send like usually it's like almost it's like a second round pick or something. Right. But it's usually it's not someone like Popovich. Right. Right. 
Um, so, like, burning draft capital on, on Popovich is an interesting is an interesting idea. I'm not totally opposed to it, but I, I don't know. We, we seem to be burning our draft capital in all sorts of scenarios that we're laying out. So I hadn't really counted on doing that for a coach. But um, I, I, I don't know. I just don't, I don't really see San Antonio being excited about not having Popovich as the coach. Do you think that the Knicks signing Tom Thibodeau is the first domino of the coaching shuffle that's about to happen in this offseason? There are, apparently, this could be a, a huge season for for coaching overhauls for teams. Really? Yeah, like teams like the Bulls are almost certainly going to get rid of Jim Bolin. Um Brett Brown with the 76ers is, unless they do extremely well, probably going to get fired. Mm-hmm. The Nets obviously need a coach. Uh, there are others, I'm sure. I'm just not thinking of them at the moment. Um, but do you think that this Thibodeau thing could precipitate precipitate other teams starting to act sooner than later as the pool of available coaches begins to dry up? Uh... I I don't know. Can can the Nets do that before they end the season? I guess they can. Um, but <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't think they're worried that replacing Jacques Vaughn in the middle of this is going to upset the uh, the potential run they're going to go on. I mean, even Nets Daily doesn't think they have a chance of getting out of the first round. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, speaking of Nets Daily, do you think that it's interesting that Net Income, who, like, any time you said, like, any sort of, like, we, we cast doubt, anyone would cast doubt on, like, the possibility of the Nets getting KD or, like, you know, the, the ultimate superstars, he would be like, well, that's right, you know, oh, I didn't know I was dealing with a fortune teller. And, like, Anytime that anyone's like, oh, I don't know, Katie might not come back at, you know, better than he's ever been. And he's like, oh, I didn't know I got an orthopedic surgeon here on Twitter. <laughs> uh, like, he just will not even, like, you know, he, he immediately fights back at even the most outlandish, you know, scenarios. And he was right about KD. But, um, to be fair, but but he... he throws cold water on the Popovich thing. That is too far for him to even fathom. Wow, amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't know why he really draws the line there, but he's very skeptical of that. I mean, it does defy reason. He is such a such a fixture of that organization to leave to come to a situation in which he could have like long-term legacy repercussions for deciding to leave the Spurs and come to the Nets. Like that could end ignominiously with like not very much imagination could lead you to see how that would end badly for him. Right, uh, could which could permanently tarnish his, at this point, like, you know, reputation as maybe the best NBA coach of all time. Right, and, and the reason why you're saying that maybe he's the best NBA coach of all time, I think, in part, is because of uh, a real harbinger of, of exactly what you're talking about, which is Phil Jackson, who was at the Knicks. Right. And though he wasn't a coach 
at that point, like, I just feel like his his reputation was just thrown in the trash from like those brief couple of years. <laughs> right, eleven championship rings <laughs> with two organizations, and none of not not one of those rings means a thing after like three and a half months in the front office of the New York Knicks. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like this guy's an idiot. He likes the triangle. What a stupid moron. He could never make a team good. Yeah, I imagine. I imagine that uh, you know the Knicks are the, the Knicks are a toxic organization. But would you say the Knicks, as an organization, are more or less toxic than Kyrie Irving as an individual? <laughs> well, the Knicks, thankfully, Kyrie has not had. 20 years to, <laughs> to sort of build a legacy of incompetence the way that the Dolan led Knicks have. So in terms of longevity, the Knicks definitely have it, but you know, pound for pound year for year. Right. Prior, right. Single, single dose potency. Right. Uh, well, speaking of the Knicks, since since we can't seem to get their name out of our mouths, uh, Ian Begley reports that both the Knicks and the Nets, Simon, mm-hmm. are interested in Chucker Extraordinaire Zach <laughs> La 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 Levine. William, I just want to point out because people that was such a silky smooth transition that i'm not even sure our our listeners noticed it but they should (laughs) that was seamless great that was uh that was tyler johnson out there um (laughs) so yeah i don't know what you i'm very curious to know what you think william because we i don't think you and i have ever talked about zach levine for more than eight seconds about anything. No, so, I've talked a bit with Lane, who's a Bulls fan, about Zach Levine. I've heard about Zach Levine through, you know, various podcasts. He is a topic of much conversation. Um, this was sort of, a, this was a big year for him. A, a statement year. He felt snubbed, not getting the all-star bid. 25 points, almost five rebounds over four assists. So not bad. Not bad counting stats. Has a reputation, right. Simon, um, as you surely know, as a really horrible defender. A guy right. who is is very, very, very offensively minded. Um, and it, in addition to not being a good defender, sort of has been hung with a label of uh, loser as well. A guy who does not help his team win. <laughs> Right. I'm not loser and, and like he's not yeah. a cool dude, but like a guy no. who who has never been associated with a winning season, whose selfish mm-hmm. play and lack of defense tends to not lead to positive results for his team. That's what I mean by loser. Right. Um, but he can score at all three levels. Yeah, um, no, but he's high flying. He's <laughs> athletic. I love selfish players. I really do love like selfish <laughs> on the court players. Um, right. I I can I can get behind them, and I I mean I I'd be way more excited uh, for a jolt of Zach Levine. Do I think than I than I am say for like the Kyrie experience for a second year in a row? Um, but do I think that Zach Levine profiles is the type of player that would fit on this team at all? No, hell no. Like <laughs> like we like we keep saying. We really, really, really.
really, if we're going for a third star, star, it would be incredible if we could get a third star who was in any way a two-way player. Yeah. Um, and Zach Levine is sort of like the textbook example of someone who is not. Now, he's never really had a great team around him, so he could be unjustly maligned as a good stats, bad team guy. But mm-hmm. I've certainly never heard anyone make that argument. <laughs> and I don't I don't have enough uh, Levine personal knowledge of Levine's game to say, like, you know, the 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 commentators are wrong. He has a lot of potential. He could he could contribute to a winner if he were just put in the right situation. Not to mention, I wouldn't I don't know anyone who would argue that this is the uh, or the right situation necessarily. It's a it's a highly unstable situation. Hopefully it's the right situation, but <laughs> yeah. so far there's no empirical evidence that it is the right situation for someone to play in. Right. Yes. Um, he, right. And, and, and it's, um, I agree with you that there would be a part of me that would be quite excited to have him like to have three very good scorers yeah. on a team. Um, and Zach Levine is quite young as well. I think he's like 24, 25. Yeah, he's young. Um, so that's nice. Uh, but I just wish that there was like one, like you said, I, I like there's, we've heard two, we've heard Beal and Levine as like names that like the Nets have like done their homework on, have inquired about, etc. I would just want one story that talks about as you said, a two-way play. Just give me one sign that the Nets are not like, well, what about this score? Right. I mean, I guess the upside on Levine over Beal would be that the price would be substantially lower for Levine. Right. But the the other side of that, yes, totally. But the other side of that to me is like, if you get a Beal... Yes, you and I are both extremely nervous about the defense of this team, and Beal does not solve that problem at all. But I think you can credibly say, like, with that team, with those three players, um, you have the potential to say, look, any team that we play in the playoffs is going to have to beat our is going to outscore is going to have to outscore us four times in any series. Right? How and, we wouldn't have the number one offense in the NBA? I, I, I mean, I, I can't see how we wouldn't. Right. And with Levine, it's like, well, that's another offensive player for sure, like a good offensive player. But you're not like he's not a blow you away player. No, definitely. Um, and, you know, Beal does have a track record of winning in the playoffs. Right. Uh, whereas Zach Levine has literally never been in the playoffs. Right. And playing off ball. Right. And this is his sixth season in the league. And so he's never been on a team that's made the playoffs in that in that time period. Uh, Levine has been trapped on like a decent but not quite good enough Western Conference team. He's been in the right. Eastern Conference this entire, you know, the, at least the last what is it, three seasons. Um, yeah. So 
yeah, somewhat alarming that he, that he has never helped raise the ceiling. Plus, he has some some injury concerns as well. He yes. has a twenty four game season. That's uh, four games more than Kyrie played this year, and a forty seven game season the season before that but the last two uh looks like he's been relatively healthy missed like 20 games last year and seems to have played everyone this year wow yeah that's yeah yeah i'm not all in on levine i i would greet that if if we traded for him with a great deal of trepidation because it wouldn't cost nothing it would cost a lot it would sure 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 um do you have you heard any rumors of him having any association with uh, our dynamic duo? Thank you for the question. No. Oh, okay. I have not. Um, you want to no. know his basketball reference nickname? I would love to. Young Hollywood. Oh, I did. I did see that, and I meant I meant to mention that um, to you. But I'm per- glad you saw it. Pretty amazing. Excellent. Yeah. He just looked that handsome in that basketball reference photo. Oh, he's great looking. He's great looking. Also, he won a dunk contest. How cool is that? It very cool. Very cool. Um, I would rather have if we're going on dunk contest people, and I, I think you would agree. Aaron Gordon, a hundred percent, one hundred percent. I would a million times prefer to have him. He is twenty-five, by the way, Simon. So yeah, still young. And still a guy, if we got him and put him, you know, got him to a longer-term contract, could be around in the uh, post-KD Kyrie era. But again, I don't know, you know, it certainly, thus far in his career, hasn't proven to be a guy you want to build your franchise around. Yeah. Can I quickly, and we don't have to do this, we can can talk about this uh, some other time, and I know I'm throwing this wrench in here, but you you talking about this and being KD's buddies made me think about this. Are you monitoring this Oladipo situation? Uh, (laughs) Well, you know, I've got a a couple guys in the Pacers front office that I I try (laughs) to have a, a Zoom or two with each week, so... Uh, no, I, I know what you're talking about, and it's a great thing to bring up, and I and and I don't think we have I, either of us together have ever talked about it. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, do you do you want to break down what's going on? Sure, you should correct me if I'm wrong because I am sure you have um, a better understanding of what's happening. But my understanding is that he was fir- he first said. I don't want to play. I'm not going to play because I have this quad injury and I'm worried about like exacerbating it. Then because he then went to the, <laughs> went to the bubble is like practicing <laughs> and like showing, unfortunately for him that he's like physically capable of playing basketball. Right. Um, which is again, t- take a page from KD. Don't, you know, don't give them any reason to understand that you are fully healthy. Um, that then the NBA, not the Pacers, importantly, the Pacers have always said, I guess, like, you know, we'll pay him whatever. We don't care. Like, we'll pay him to play. We'll pay him to not play. We don't care. But the NBA is like, look, if he's actually able to play, he needs to play. Or if he opts out, he's not going to make um, he's not going to make his money, which for a pretty highly paid player like him is something like three or four million dollars. Right. Um, that he would be missing out on. So now it's like still up in the air, I believe, about whether he's going to 
play and risk his injury? Because I don't think he was just like kidding around about that. Like he did have a very serious injury and there's all sorts of like unknowns about the bubble situation and injuries and how this sort of playing environment could affect those injuries or cause injuries. So it's kind of like, it's another situation where you kind of have to like cover your ears and like, you know, la la la, because you like sports and don't want to think about it as really, um, exploitative, scary, (laughs) um, situation. So that is, that's probably the fairest and most level headed, uh, account of what's happening, but the conspiracy theorist, I think Oladipo's going to be on the Nets next season, could read what you just said as the following. Okay? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Oladipo played the last um, it's 13 to 17 games of the season before it got paused. Right. Mm -hmm. So he was working his way back and apparently like the last seven or so games actually started to look pretty good. When he first came back, he was apparently terrible, but Mm -hmm. looked pretty good. When this whole thing started up again, they apparently um, have the option to offer him a max extension. Got it. Uh, And so... The thinking is that he doesn't want to get the max extension from Indiana and wants to signal to other teams that he's looking for a place to go, a place to move to. Um, And so... Yes, the whole thing was absurd. Like, he he wasn't going to play. Like, he declared himself out to the athletic. Then he went down there, which, I mean, frankly, shouldn't have been allowed. Like, if you're not going to play, you shouldn't be in a place that you could potentially get sick or spread a disease. Um, And now that he's looking good, the NBA did that. And I understand somewhat from their perspective, because if players were down there and like, well, I came down here, so I get paid, but I don't want to play. These games are meaningless if you're like on the nets or the wizards or a team like that, the suns. Um, So that they're trying to disincentivize that and sort of make an example of it. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I think from what I hear, it sounds like the, the Pacers would be a little bit hesitant to offer him a huge contract when they so vastly exceeded expectations this year without him mm-hmm. and by then having to pay him that kind of money would be limiting which of those players who did so well this season they could keep running with um, so yeah I don't know do you think Oladipo might be available? It's super interesting to think about because that's a player I would I mean obviously there's huge risk the quad injury is quite serious but um yes i mean that's a two-way player he's probably at his best right better than drew holiday is that fair to say definitely yeah drew holiday has been i think he's a one-time all-star i believe oladipo made all nba oh wow okay yeah yeah so so yes i would be extremely enticed um by oladipo and like it's a it, that's the kind of situation that perks my ears up um, 
especially with the conspiratorial thinking, but even without it, just because, like, it's a team, like you said, hesitant to sign the max, but give or give him a huge contract. And, and in the background of that is like, uh, the economy's tanking. They're a small market team. They've never really paid very much to these players. They, they're, they're, they're paying two centers, like quite a lot of money. Um, so they've, they've got a, a quite expensive team. They've got Brogdon. Um, so like, yeah, they could be motivated, especially if they crash out like this year, mm-hmm. such an expensive team to not get out of the, let's say they don't get out of the first round in the Eastern conference. Right. And small market team in the midst of an economic collapse like that to me could signal a sell off. Yeah. And they also just lost potentially for the entire time, but at least for a period, DeMontis Sabonis. He had to go. He oh. hurt his foot. Yes, you're totally right. And I saw on the bottom line here, some the sports dealy at the bottom. I think he is out. I think he is out with like plantar fasciitis for the for the whole for thing the for the season. I could right. be wrong, but I think and I heard that Miles Turner might be hurt too. Oh, yeah. I mean, like from a roster development point of view, I think it it would be logical that they'd be looking to get rid of Sabonis or Miles Turner. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of whom, uh, I should say, I uh, think would be great additions to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, but, you know, if they if they want to get rid of Oladipo, I would hope that the Nets would be one of the teams that would take a serious look at him. Because, yeah, when he was pre-injury, he was an extremely dominant two-way player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super exciting to me. Well, thank you for indulging that. Oh, yeah. I mean, we don't really have a whole lot more to talk about unless you want to (laughs) delve into the David Levy replacement. Oh, God. Yeah. You're you're lifting on this one, William. I did not do my homework. So (laughs) everybody remembers one of the most short-lived uh C-suite picks in sports history, David Levy, appointed the head of, I don't even remember what the holding company is, but basically, like, of Barclays Center, Nassau Center, and, like, various other um, Joe Psy sports products. And mm-hmm. the guy was in, ingloriously dumped after about two and a half months on the job, which is just a breakneck <laughs> turnaround. Uh, very vague why it happened. They, like, you know, said something like their visions parted ways on the future of something. Who knows? Um, anyway, he's been replaced. I'm with John Abamondi. Yes. Who left MSG in January. Um, Brian Lewis reports that he was fired by the Knicks, mm-hmm. which I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. You know, yep. like, is that a sign that you're too competent or <laughs> that you're so incompetent that you can't even make it work at the Knicks? Right. Exactly. I agree. It could, could go either way there. Uh, one thing I have to imagine it does mean is that he will be slightly uh, less vocal on his views on China than David Levy was, because I think that that all happened. His, you know, quote unquote, leaving of the company happened right around the Maury 
China blow up. So I think it was pretty clearly something related to that. But I, of course, don't actually know that. Right. Um, yes. And I, I saw something like he at his position with the Knicks as one of the vice presidents was like had to do with like ticket revenue, driving up ticket revenue. It, yeah. It seemed like he was like the head of the suites and the boxes and like mm-hmm. the high end client stuff. Uh-huh. I mean, God knows we probably could use more of, of them. I, I mean, I, you know, <laughs> those people are despicable, of course, but um, we don't have a lot of them. I mean, our our highest end people are like uh, Steve Madden. Yes, yeah, Steve Madden is by far the closest thing to an A-lister. And really, if anyone even remembers Steve Madden at this point, it's just because they watched Wolf of Wall Street and realized <laughs> he was involved in some extremely shady IPOs <laughs> in the 90s. Exactly. And, and we're already at a point where, not, you know, if it, Wolf of Wall Street is a film of yesteryear. More <laughs> right, right. It's a so full-length modern- fe- feature film, which means it's been seen by one-tenth at best of the people who have watched, <laughs> like, someone twitch clipping their toenails this morning. You know, like, there's just... <laughs> There's no room in anyone's hearts or minds for for a two-hour film at this point. No. All right. So, Simon, let's get to our theme. Uh, As maybe next time listeners know, most episodes we like to introduce... ...where we cut off, but I'll begin again. We are entering our theme in which we contort some germane political issue into a discussion about your Brooklyn Nets. Simon, the theme this week is provided by you, and it's based on what's happening in Portland, Oregon, where people are being essentially kidnapped and interrogated by various, um, I don't know what they are exactly, military personnel? Uh, At best, paramilitary. Okay. If you want to soften it. Right, right, right. And uh, interrogated, these are people who are largely peacefully protesting in Portland, um, and it is sort of the most... Uh, Maybe that's unfair, but it is yet another egregious example of sort of police overreach and potentially this is sort of a new campaign (laughs) trick sort of softens the nefariousness of it by the Trump campaign to say, hey, if in these radical liberal cities all over the country, I'm going to send in federal forces to impose um, law and order on these lawless, you know, anarchists, basically, as an attempt to sort of rile up support from his base. Right. Um, So in that fun spirit, we are... (laughs) <laughs> going to pick a net that we would kidnap, interrogate, and then release 
and what questions we'd ask them. So, Simon, in, in your framing of this, we are essentially fascist jackboots. Is that correct? Am I exactly okay? the The roles we were born to play. Yes. All right. Well, I'm going to go first, Simon. I've okay. got a couple questions I'd like answered. Uh, first person I'd ask is KD, and my question <laughs> is a simple one. Are you ever going to sit down for your Welcome to the Nets press conference? <laughs> <laughs> the, the people have a right to know, Katie. That is, it's very, very funny that you, that you continue to bring that up and remember <laughs> that crystal clear. And every time you, you do mention that, it, it's not only funny in its own, in its own rights, William, but always conjures in my mind the image of KD at media day where he is like scowling the entire time, like barely holding the mic. And it's just like, cannot wait to get out of there. Yeah. I mean, I understand those things can certainly probably become real chores, but Oh man. It's new, right? You chose this. Let's have a good time. Let's fake it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, who are you asking first? What are you asking them? I am <laughs> you fascist jackboot. <laughs> I am kidnapping Jared Allen. I'm putting a hood over his <laughs> head, which is nearly Christ. impossible. Uh, and I am asking him if he. What he truly thinks about Kyrie Irving, I'm asking him to dish. Ooh. What, what do you really think about him? What does he really like as a teammate? I That's- would like to hear what he really thinks about DeAndre Jordan. Because oh, they have yeah. to, like, DeAndre Jordan clearly makes him go through that pregame ritual where he, like, brushes his shoulders off and, like, picks lice out of his hair or something. I don't really know what the thing is supposed to represent, <laughs> but... Um, I don't know. Jarrett just looks so awkward and uncomfortable in those. And I wonder, you know, you must, there must be a lot of pressure to try to outwardly show that you're bonding with a guy like DeAndre, who, you know, is way more experienced than you is highly, you know, has a high regard from the other stars. But yeah, anyway, Jarrett true serum on that would be very, very interesting. Uh, Next guy I'm asking a question, Simon is Karis LeVert. Oh, great. And I want to know, if he believes he's capable of becoming a third star. <laughs> because there are obviously a lot of people in Nets Nation are convinced he's going to become one. I'd like to know if he thinks he really is. Sure. Yeah, I, I, would, I would too. You, um, don't, you don't get a lot of candid comments from, from Karis. You don't get a lot of comments full stop from Karis LeVert. Uh, I don't know whether he's just not a great interview, whether he uh, doesn't give many, whether people just don't ask. But I feel like I basically never hear about what Karis thinks or says about anything. Well, he said, I mean, he, he has said, like, oh, he really wants to be a third. So he wants to be a star. He wants it really badly. But that's different than do I really believe I can do it? Which, again, you only get that kind of information if you're kidnapping and rendering someone. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, because the only way to get answers is through blatant torture. We all know it. 
Okay, we, we, we understand with our petty bourgeois attitude. That... <laughs> oh, God. Okay, just so listeners know, <laughs> this, is, this is definitely not what we think torture is. Unequivocally a horrible, horrible act, in addition to being a totally ineffective tool. Uh, so uh, we've, we've had our fun here with the torture uh, joking, and we'll get back to our hypothetical torture situation. Go right. for it, Simon. My, my, my next one, William, is I, I want to know, I want to kidnap Kyrie Irving and ask him if he thinks that, like, how he sees the pecking order between him, him and Kevin Durant. Ooh. Kind of assumed, like, because we can see, I think everyone who is not Kyrie Irving would say Kevin Durant is obviously the number one top dog. But I'm not sure, I'm really not sure that Kyrie feels that way. Right. Well, my my last question is also going to be directed at Kyrie, and it's really about whether or not people are capable of changing and growth. So my question for him would be whether or not he regrets leaving Cleveland. Right. So Cleveland was pretty much a guaranteed trip to the championship for as long as LeBron stayed there. Right. But he demanded his way out to go have his own team in Boston. That ended up, as we all know, a complete disaster. His first year, he was injured through the playoffs. They made it to the Eastern Conference Championship without him. The next year, with him, they got knocked out in the second round. Uh, I think were swept out of the second round by the Bucks. Maybe it was a gentleman's sweep. But it was a very, very bad exit. Then he was basically run out of town. Now he's here. So I'm just wondering, like, you know... I know that there was some suggestion that he called LeBron last year and said, you know, apologized and said, hey, it's way harder to lead than I thought. Um, but I wonder if he thinks, you know, in retrospect, it was a mistake leaving in the first place or, or if he wouldn't, wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, I, I would be curious to know that as well. You know what I bet his answer is? Wouldn't change a thing. Exactly. I've never made a mistake. So. Right. It was uh, his grandpa died, and so he was sad, and that was the only reason, you know, something went wrong. Right. All right. Who's the last person you're asking a question of? I, I do not have another Okay, one. great. Then that takes us, Simon, to our final segment of today's show. And this is a little segment we call... You talking to me and you? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Netstein. Where exactly. we, Simon and me, and two Nets players who we will disclose momentarily, take a visit to a, at this point, exclusively Orlando-based restaurants. I mean, they're not exclusively based in Orlando, but they have at least a location in Orlando. And also of late, uh, we seem to be preoccupied with Tillman Fertitta restaurants because I think both Simon and I revile the man and therefore think it's funny to go to his generally crappy restaurants. I mean, I don't really know. I don't think I've actually gone to many of these, but um, it's fun to uh, imagine going to them. 
So today we're going to hit up a throwback to one of the (laughs) heights of cinema in the 1990s, (laughs) Forrest Gump, and a little place that was a spinoff of a character in that movie called the Bubba Gump Shrimp Factory. Simon, my first question for you before I ask which net you're bringing with you to Bubba Gump Shrimp Factory is have you ever been to Bubba, uh, BGSF? No, I haven't. Neither um, have I. And I would love to. I think there was one in Times Square. I don't know if it's still there. Uh, it was pre-pandemic. Okay. So theoretically, you and I have the option of one day hitting this place up. Right. All right. Who are you taking with you to BGSF? I am. I'm going to take Joe Harris, William. Uh, I think he's 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 got his nose up in the air a little bit about food. Right. Uh, and so I, I'm going to try to bring him down back back down to earth. All right. I am going to bring. John and Musa as sort of a reward for being our leading scorer against the Pelicans. Okay. Great. Yeah, he deserves a, a nice meal. Um, all right, Simon, let's start with a drink, shall we? Oh, sure, yeah. All right. So they've got six categories of cocktails here. they got your margaritas, your Bubba's Classics, from the tropics, alcohol-free zone, sangria and old-fashioned, and mules and mojitos. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where are you hit? What? What? Are you, which? Which of these are you going from? It. It was an easy choice for me, William. I am getting uh, from Bubba's Classics the rum, Forest Rum. <laughs> the was this here? Just very quickly. Do you know? Did rum Forest Rum. Because I feel like, because the, the whole thing, one of the kitschy shticks of that movie, right, is that he's, like, omnipresent in all of these, like, things, right? All of these, like, famous moments in history and has, like, shaped history in, in all these different yes. ways. The impact but, of one individual, Simon, is far greater than we realize. Right, exactly. Um, particularly in a fictional um, movie. Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, but do you know, did Bubba Gump exist pre the movie? And the movie was like, Haha, you know, Bubba Gump, t- uh, you know, shrimp. That's why they came together, because Bubba was his buddy in the war, and his name is Gump. And that's why Bubba Gump Shrimp Co. happened. Or did Bubba Gump Shrimp come, as I think... You suggested, and I think it's probably right, did that come after the movie? Great question. One thing other than Nets and, and a Nets expert, uh, I'm a historian of, of <laughs> fast food chains. Uh, no, I, I can tell you, actually, it's a, according to Wikipedia anyway, Bubba Gump Shrimp Company Restaurant and Market, Simon, is an American seafood restaurant chain inspired by the 1994 film oh. Forrest Gump. So, yes, this was not something that predated Forrest Gump. This was Tillman Fertitta playing on the on the uh, Forrest Gump 
legacy. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. And I uh, appreciate you going with me on that digression. Uh, let me just explain what is in the rum forest rum. Uh, Don Q Pat Passion rum, Myers original dark rum, Dole pineapple juice. Mm. Uh, my dad used to love to eat pineapple out of the can of Dole pineapple. Mm, those uh, little tiny like triangular bits. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, fresh lime juice, orange juice, and finest call grenadine. That sounds okay, actually. Oh yeah. Um, so I'm not going to get this one, but I wanted to point this one out because I think it's it's kind of insensitive. But uh, and I don't mean to cast aspersions on the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company's menu. I'm I'm enthralled. I would I would. I would go here. It's cheap, much cheaper than Ocean Air, where we went last week. Right. Um, but Lieutenant Dan's pomegranate punch seems a touch, a touch insensitive, doesn't it? Did, Why? Didn't Lieutenant Dan devolve into like intense alcoholism by the end of that film? Oh yeah, I totally. Forgot. <laughs> like, maybe don't. Name a kitschy drink after a guy who's like <laughs> meant to stand in as as an example of the horrors of addiction. Yeah, and it's got a little red. Um, it's in red and has a shrimp Bubba Gump shrimp logo thing next to it. So, I, oh, comes with the glass. Oh, interesting. Very nice. Well, anyway, I'm not getting that. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm canceling Lieutenant Dan's pomegranate punch, Simon. And I am getting, and I honestly, I'm kind of surprised you didn't go for this. Steal it out from under me. I'm getting the top, top shelf Long Island iced tea. Mm. Absolute citron vodka, Captain Morgan white rum, Tanqueray gin, Grand Marnier orange liqueur, all, Simon. For a low, low $12. Yes. And what world is that top shelf, though? <laughs> I mean, those are all fine alcohols. I'm not trying to be a jerk yeah, here. Yeah, I mean, anytime you see the captain on your top shelf, <laughs> you've you've made a wrong turn somewhere. <laughs> Again, I don't care. I, I'm fine with all of that, but I, I, I don't think that's a fair representation of a top shelf. Um, I am trying to get to the food menu here. Yeah, is yours as glitchy as mine? I thought maybe it was just my computer, but... No, it's... It doesn't scroll so much as jab you into... Yeah, from, from like one screen to another. Right, exactly. Yeah, so listeners, you'll be enjoying, instead of us talking about menu items that we're <laughs> not actually going to eat, but might eat were we to ever go to this restaurant, mm-hmm. um, you're just going to kind of bear with us trying to get to the main menu of Bubba Gum. I might just fully do a... Oh, actually, I think I have it on my phone. Ah, here it is. Took a minute, but we're back. All right, Simon, let's get an appetizer, shall we? Sure. Um, I will go first, and, you know, it goes without saying I've lost it once again. Um, I will go first. I am going to get, and this is just for me. I'm not sharing this with uh, Jean and Musa. He can order his own. I imagine he's going to get the... uh, the calamari, because he's just sort of that kind of guy. 
Uh, I don't know what that possibly means. But anyway, I'm going to get the Bubba's Far Out Dip, Simon. It's spinach, artichokes, Monterey Jack cheese, and tortilla chips. Hell, make it a shrimp dip for two bucks more. Twelve forty nine. Bubba's Far Out Dip. Very nice. And uh, this this place really um, falls into the category of uh, of place that uses someone's name as though that indicates anything about the dish itself. <laughs> like Bubba loved his incredibly generic dip. That you Spinach artich- artichoke dip. <laughs> Bubba now stands for spinach artichoke dip. <laughs> Bubba always said, I want my spinach artichoke dip to be exactly the same as every other spinach artichoke dip ever made. Baked spinach artichoke dip. Broiled spinach artichoke dip. <laughs> Sauteed spinach artichoke dip. <laughs> I think it's a crime we haven't – such a such a um, uh, uh, Forrest Gump fanatic such as yourself. <laughs> Good God. This is the restaurant for you, buddy. I know. I know. I can't wait to hit it up one day. All right. What do you get? What teaser are you getting? I'm getting the Shrimper's Net Catch. Oh, exciting. <laughs> Where the shrimper has caught in his net a, a peel and eat – Shrimp steamed in either beer, garlic, or Cajun. I'll get Cajun. Come on, you gotta get the beer. 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 All right, I'll get beer. Okay. But I want Cajun. <laughs> Great. I think we're gonna skip the super salads because I don't know how many of these we have to say we're either getting the Caesar or the um, old-fashioned <laughs> New England clam chowder. Yeah. Uh, they apparently are on every single menu as just the de facto um, super salad. And yes. I don't think either of us wants to order a strawberry summer salad. I, I don't want to speak for you, but that sounds appalling to me. I, I hate summer salad. I hate I... fruit on salad. It's me too. disgusting. William. Disgusting. All right. So are you get uh, my next question, Simon? It's an age old question. Are you ordering from the sea or from the farm? I am actually well. I, I'm ordering from the farm, okay. but I am getting the surf and turf, and more specifically, Forrest's surf and turf. Right, not uh, Lieutenant Dan's. Not Lieutenant Dan's, um, who seems to enjoy ribs. I am Forrest's favorite, the boneless ribeye, with grilled shrimp, mashed potatoes, and onion rings. Mm mm mm. <laughs> Simon, I that sounds great. My hat's off to you. Good, very solid order. Thank you. Uh, I am going to get the quote, and there are quotation marks here. Quote, <laughs> of course we have scampi! Exclamation mark. End quote. Now, as you've said, I have a extraordinary memory of Forrest Gump. Okay. <laughs> But I definitely do not remember anyone in the movie saying, of course we have Scampi. Do you? Me neither. No. No. So I don't know who they're quoting. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't know either. It's, that's, that's a very um, deep cut, if it is, in fact, a cut. But I, I'm hoping 
that it is just someone's random use of quotation marks and turning a menu item into a sentence. Right. right. Uh, it's shrimp, linguine, lobster butter sauce, parmesan cheese, and garlic bread for a modest twenty one forty nine. <laughs> uh, are you getting a side with this? Oh, uh, I certainly could, huh? They're pretty lackluster, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, oof, yeah. Steamed broccoli? Good lord. Steamed rice? I mean, come on. Yeah. At least uh, say Bubba rice, you know? Exactly, exactly. Um, you know what? I might get a handheld uh, as my side. Great shrimp, call, great call. A shrimp po' boy. Shrimp mm. po' boy? Yeah, I'll do the Beyond Burger. Oh sure, you want to? You're 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 watching your figure. I want to support companies that Nets players own. Right. So I'm going all in on a Beyond Burger. Uh, Simon, what are you getting for dessert? There are two choices. So whatever you don't get, I will be getting. Remember that as you order. Okay. Well, I I'll leave you the 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 more exciting one here. I'll get the cheesecake. I haven't gotten the cheesecake in a while. Um, I'm getting the New York style cheesecake with fresh strawberry sauce. These desserts are insanely expensive. I, I assume they're quite large. They have to be enormous. Yeah, ten forty nine. Come on. Uh, you could get a bowl of clam chowder for three bucks less than that. <laughs> exactly. uh, yeah, I'm getting the chocolate chip cookie sundae, Simon. Ice cream, chocolate and caramel sauce, peanuts, and whipped cream. That sounds so good. It really does. And I think I might, with that, have my second top shelf Long Island of the meal. <laughs> <laughs> I've worked up a thirst at Bubba's. <laughs> All right. Well, fun trip. Yeah. Uh, if it opens again in New York, which I pretty much doubt will happen. Um <laughs> Maybe we'll go in a few years when we're allowed inside of places. Right. And fingers crossed, because I'm certain, um, you know, Tillman will will be uh, angling for a big, big bailout if he hasn't gotten it already. So just fingers crossed that a billionaire will get even more money. Do you think Tillman Fertitta will be still be an NBA owner by the time we um, go to Bubba Gump Shrimp? <laughs> I think that I I think that if our lives of the last many years have shown us anything, it's that these people never lose anything, and things always work out for them. So he may not have a very good team, but I suspect he'll have a team. Yeah, I mean, I just I I think he's one of the least actually wealthy owners in the NBA. Uh-huh. Um, so might be uh, in the first wave of people who are like, yeah, the NBA is not going to be profitable for like two seasons at least. Might be on the first wave of people who bail on this whole thing. Right, and he's new to it, so it's not like he, you know. Right, has a lifelong love of the of the organization. Right. Seems to just be a headache for the old boy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, Simon, what's the score in the San Antonio game, and are the Nets pulling it out? 
the Nets are up by 10. Now the Nets bench is in and the Spurs are going on a run. They were, the Nets were up by, I don't know, 15 maybe or at least 13. They're now down 10 and Bellinelli is going to the line. Ooh, Bellinelli has a, is a famed Nets killer. Oh yeah. Um, but again, I can't tell you, Tyler Johnson has been, uh... Karis LeVert has 27 points. He's 8 for 17, Simon. Yes, yes, baby. 8 for eight for 9 from the free throw line. Get into the line. And and hitting, which is crazy for him. Yes, Jared I, Allen with another double-double. 10 points, 11 rebounds, 4 or 5 from the field, 2 steals. How is Joey Buckets doing? Joey, Joey, bucket, 17 minutes, 10 points, two rebounds, three of five from the field, two blocks, two for four from three, two for two from the line, plus seven, hats off to Joey Bucks. Yeah, I think he makes things a lot easier for, like, it, it just, like, having, because the last game, again, no one could hit a fucking basket. It's great, great to have him around. Um, Chris Chioza, 19 minutes, 2 points, 5 assists, 6 rebounds. 6 rebounds, nothing to sneeze at. No, how many TOs? Uh, 2. Oh, boy. But 5 assists. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. That's much better than last game. Nets, by the way, as we're talking... Uh, only up six. Well, point. I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, I feel like the final score doesn't really matter once, yeah, once yeah. you take the starters out. Um, Kuroots apparently has 12 points. Oh, great. Yeah. Three this for is... three from the, from three. Unbelievable, man. We got to keep that guy. Uh, I mean, I all right, keep... Simon, where can people hit us up? Okay. You got to go to, uh, at maybe next time on your Instagram. Seems to be a very popular uh, social media network. <laughs> uh, Twitter, okay, or your old school Facebook. Maybe you want to. What get... are they going there for? What are they going to Facebook for? There's one reason why people go no, to Facebook. No, Twitter or any of these, any of these old platforms. Oh, to follow us. Yeah, send us a question, right? Oh, yes, right. And, and also at maybe next time at gmail.com. Sorry, I thought you were asking why people in general go on Facebook. Um, I think it's to look at extremely racist memes. Um, the, the <laughs> so, no, uh, anyway, uh, no judgment if you're on Facebook. I have a Facebook account, and I'm not looking at racist memes, so it's not everyone. Um, but it is some of them. Um, okay, at maybe next time. <laughs> Uh, maybe next time at gmail.com and please send us your, uh, review us rather, uh, on Apple podcast, wherever you're getting your podcast, appreciate the listen and would love it. If you would follow that up with a five star review, you know, I said in the past, I'm cool with a three or four star. I'm not anymore. Yeah, that's right. Just not five star or nothing spare. If, if it's not a five, we, we honestly don't need the review. They're hurtful. They hurt. <laughs> just knowing we're not an absolutely flawless podcast <laughs> sure is... we've got some flaws but we're humans <laughs> not not the way we're treated on those review boards oh Ooh. my god we were savaged by a former fan a guy switched his four star to a one star 
Is that true? Yes. He switched his four star to a one star. Said we talk about Bud Light Orange too much and think that we're funnier <laughs> than we are. <laughs> I mean, he's a truth teller, and I applaud oh, his. Oh, oh. <laughs> Don't leave us reviews if you're going to say hurtful things. We're thin skinned. We can't reiterate this enough. Absolutely. Don't uh, do it. But please. we try to bring you a nice weekly podcast about the Brooklyn Nets as well as Orlando-based restaurants. So <laughs> cut us some slack. Orlando-based exclusively chain these days. Right. If you're in this niche, you know, you should be happy that there's anything being produced in this niche, honestly. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't like it... Still listen, but don't <laughs> send in a tasteful question if you're still listening. Right, please. We dude, could use a mailbag. Honestly, we we've gone dry on that thing. It's been a couple weeks. Yeah, I know. Oh boy! All right. Well, by the next time we speak, Simon, we will have seen an actual game that actually counts for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, I hope that they take that first one over the Magic. It would be a statement win to start this thing off. I'm not overly confident, Simon, but I'm also, you know, it's the bubble. Anything could happen. Anything could happen, yes. And that is one of our... It's one of our winnable games. We're going to keep talking to you next week uh, about more winnable games in the bubble. We're going to break down the bubble pretty intensely, I think, next time, Simon. We're going to go game by oh, game, yeah. matchup by matchup, and just get into the weeds for you. So, if you'd like to break up the weeds with some fun, entertaining mailbag questions, send them into the aforementioned social media places or whatnot. Uh, all right, Simon, we're going to go ahead and see ya next time. I was tired of my lady. We'd been together too long. Like a worn out recording of a favorite song. So while she lay there sleeping, I read the paper in bed. The personal columns There was this letter I read